Welcome to the Living Bulwark Podcast. I'm John Wilson. And I'm Bridget Bonifant. This is a podcast dedicated to introducing you to people throughout the Sword of the Spirit. We'll invite a guest to each episode, and then we'll just spend a few minutes getting to know them and hearing part of their story. back again this week with Tony Silcock from Youth Initiatives in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Tony was going on a bit and we had to give him a second episode, which is super fun for all of us. Tony, you were sharing last time your experiences of uh, coming into Youth Initiatives and how the Lord kind of kept you around year after year. Uh, Tell us more just about uh, your time in youth initiatives and, and uh, experiences you've had. One of the beauties of Caris is that it's mixed, it's mixed with, with Catholic and Protestant and non-denominational, but it's also mixed with upper class, middle class and working class. Mm. And we, like, they really gel well together. So it's, it's kind of a, in one sense, a kind of unique kind of space to be in, particularly in Northern Ireland. There's, there's very little... Um, Christian organisations or churches that would have that mix of people. And then I go back to my mum and dad sent me to the first Catholic and Protestant school in Northern Ireland. And that gave me a heart, which, and the word that I now use for it is ecumenism. It gave me a real heart to to be able to connect with people on the other side. Um, so I, I am deeply passionate about bringing young people into the kingdom of God. Um, I, I remember doing some life coaching about 10 years ago. And the life coach said, because I, I, was, I was debating whether I should stay in youth and I said, well, what should I do with this? Or what's God called me to? And the mission that I think God's called me is, is to build them a kingdom of God up through young people. Now, I can do that through youth and I could do that, you know, through a church. I could do it through lots of other parachurch organizations. But for me... It only makes sense for me personally to do that through youth initiatives. Um, and the outworking of that, where I get supported, where I get spiritual input and grace and love and care, and I get called on and I get called out, is my brothers and sisters in community. And particularly my own pastoral group who are not shy of saying, why are you doing that? Hang on a second. Let's get back here a second. You're going to have to explain that to me. Why are you working another evening? Or why are you doing... So the, the two things, re- they go hand in hand for me. Um, and the other part of this for me is, <clears throat> I, I, in Northern Ireland, I don't see a better way to live the Christian life out than in a sort of spur community called Caris. I don't see it. Now, I'm a huge advocate of of you need to be a part of a church because this is not a church. Don't substitute it for a church. This will complement your church life. This will enrich your life, church life. I mean, being a part of Cars has made me a better Catholic. And, and, I, I, and I, sh- I shared this just at, at a men's retreat a few months ago. If it wasn't for some of my Protestant brothers, I wouldn't be such a good Catholic. Really incredible how God kind of turns that upside down 
in, in his kingdom. It's just incredible. Um, I mean, it's John, one of the ironic things for me is when I when I reflect back onto those DSO days in 96, 97, 98, 99, if somebody had said to me, you know, <laughs> you'll end up as the chief officer of youth initiatives with, you know, eight different youth organisations and, you know, and lots of different countries and you'll end up as a as a, as a coordinator in the in the local community you know it, it just wasn't on my radar at all actually being in a community wasn't even on my radar never been been part and being asked to, to serve the brothers and sisters in terms of leadership um but I, I think what what I what I bring is a call to go into messes a call to go to the unchurched a call to evangelize people and a call to bring people into what I think is a an extravagant rich the boundaries lines have fallen in pleasant places and I go why would I not want to share that with anybody you know so um, I still hang about uh, with my football friends and the same guys who brought me to youth initiatives in 1994 I still hang about with them mm-hmm. and and they know my life inside out and they know who I am. They know what I'm about. And, I, and they continually ask me to pray for them. Um, and there, Let me tell you a story. There's one of them um, who was going to hospital. He was in and out of hospital. He didn't tell me this. And he phoned me up and he says, Tony, um, could, could you pray for me? Um, there's something wrong with my stomach. And I'm going to hospital. And I says, yes, I'd love to pray for you. And he's a really good friend of mine. Um, now, he doesn't really think of anything of church. doesn't really think of anything of God. And... There was a, a healing ceremony, a healing service taking place in one of our local churches. And I I sort of, I thought, well, he'll be no better off. I mean, what could, he's going to say, all he says is no, and he, I'd be in no better off position. And that, I guess, one of my motto in life, I mean, who, who cares if they say no? Big deal. You just start again. Just try it differently next time. Or, or ask better questions, you know, so... Um, <laughs> So I asked this guy, like, like, can I invite you to this? You know, what is it? Oh, it's a healing service. And like, I was really bold. I said, well, you have nothing to lose. You've absolutely nothing to lose. Just come. If you don't like it, you don't like it, that's fine. No problem. And I, I, have, a, I have a bad knee. So I said to him, I'm going to get prayed over for my knee. You can come up with me. And the two of us went up uh, to, the, to the front of the church. And this guy came down and he said he's, he put his hand on his stomach prayed over him and then we we, come, we came around the other side of the church and he was prayed with by another guy out of the community a guy called John Byrne and uh, I think it was a priest um, and he prayed over him again and the following day he had a hospital appointment and he phoned me up at two o'clock and he says Tony the doctors have just told me that they can't find the cancer mm. and I said to him but that's because you're now working in God's kingdom and God makes everything possible and he can heal any type of situation. Um, and that guy goes to church every Sunday. Mm. So it's things like that that really <clears throat> excite me, you know. Um, and of course there are lows, but there are lots of different highs and just how kind of God works and how God speaks to you. Mm. So I, I bring that in to community life. I'm also... 
I generally have a lot of energy, you know, so like I'm 43. <laughs> That's coming through here. <laughs> Is it? Okay, sorry. But I, like, no, it's I'm 43. I, I, although I don't really do youth work anymore, I have the heart of a youth worker and I've got the lens of a youth worker. And I just want to, I want to invite Jesus into people's lives. And because it's transformative. It it would bring them into the kingdom. Do you know? Um, so I'm getting a little bit emotional about that. Because if he can do it to me, he can do it to absolutely anybody. And I mean anybody. <laughs> because I knew how I grew up. I, I wasn't a Christian family, you know, what do you know that strange thing that community is strange sometimes? Do you know that? <laughs> like one of the strangest things that happened to me was I was invited to somebody's house for dinner. <laughs> like that blew my mind away. I was like, you guys actually eat together. I mean, that's a very strange concept. <laughs> I mean, now like I sit down every day with my children and eat dinner with them. I, I didn't have that experience growing up. So the beauty of, of community life, the, the richness of community life. One of the things I say to people in, in when I share my life is, God just didn't transform my life. He changed the whole trajectory of my family's life. Mm. So my three kids, praise God, thank God, I thank him all the time regularly that my kids will grow up differently than I grew up. Like, I, I, I didn't grow up as a, as a community kid or a community child. Um, and one of the things that I'm really thankful to the Lord is that my kids will. Hmm. Um, I, I was going to say, as you said that, Tony, I was thinking, so I work for UCO, University Christian Outreach, here in Ann Arbor, and we were at a staff training a few weeks ago and we were hearing a talk essentially on sort of spirit vision and how, when we bring someone into our life, one of the things the speaker said was you don't just change their life, you change their family tree. And I was, <laughs> I audibly went, Whoa, <laughs> everyone started laughing, but, um, it, it, it is what you're saying. I think that's absolutely beautiful that the Lord doesn't it's not just one thing but it has this whole ripple effect for your kids and that's beautiful it's generational it's mm-hmm. like, like, please God the Lord comes into my children's life and, and they accept him as Lord and Savior and they go after him and they go after the kingdom um, let, me, let me tell you another story um, we, 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 live, we, we moved into cluster oh, that's a different story I've got a story about that as well I'll tell you, I'll tell you that in a second but when we had to do a whole, we had to do a whole bunch of renovations to the house, and Cirque and I and Ben, uh, Ben was born at that stage. We had to move out, and we moved in with my parents. I mean, Cirque is a saint, really, you know. Um, and we moved in there for nine months, and every day for nine months, we sat at the dinner table. My dad didn't eat until we all sat together and he waited for grace. I, I find that mind-blowing. Mm. And he comes to our house regularly for dinner. He waits. 
he he's anticipating grace, um, and he knows. Funny, I had a conversation with him a number of years ago, and he goes, "You know, I believe in God. I just don't know how to work that mm. out." And there's lots of conversations like that that are taking place, and I, I kind of go, "Okay, Lord, that's progress to me. That's I, I know it's mm. slow progress, but you know, he go back. He goes. He's now back to church on Easter and Christmas, and I go, mm. "Okay, this is just baby steps for him." Uh, for during those nine months, my mum came to church with us every week and still wow. joins us at church. Not every week, but sometimes. And I go, okay, Lord, I'm, we're, just, we're just going with this. We're, we're really moving mm. with this. Um, it's beautiful. That's so it, 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 it is generational, but it's not just kind of your family tree, you know, downwards. It's also the family tree goes mm. sidewards and just the yeah, impact. That I, and it's really just how people actually view that as well, you know, so... Um, it's transform- also, transformative. Mm. I was also going to ask Tony another quick question. You to go back a little bit. You mentioned, um, you know, if you'd told yourself when you were much younger that you would be serving with YI and also being a coordinator in the community, you would have been shocked. And I'm curious, like, at what point do you feel like that switch was made? So obviously, you're going around, and the Lord, you know, began to really change your life but you said you know you went to community a little bit but it wasn't like a commitment that you made at what point do you feel like that switched for you where you kind of recognized oh, okay this is a way of life that that I want to live yep it was it was when I was 25 I, I remember really clearly because up, up in that point I was like half in half out or I was three quarters in and a quarter out or I was three quarters out and a quarter in and at some point uh, during a community gathering, I felt strongly God said to me, what, you just, just make a choice. Mm. And it's just one of those, like he was just sitting beside me, you just make a choice. Um, and at that point, um, I received, I asked the brothers to pray over me. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit again. Mm. And I gave my life to the Lord again. And I said, that's it, I'm in. There's no coming back. Mm. And I, like my, my, my conversation with the Lord is, do you really know what you're letting yourself in for? Because I was in. I was absolutely in. And so much so that I went through the whole formations program uh, again, because I started it when I, when I was in my early 20s. I went through it again. Um, and just the Lord revealed himself to me. In, in, mm. in similar ways but in real different ways my relationship got deeper with them my the conversations that I was able to have with them not just prayer times but just kind of conversations with them the things that I went to the Lord with the things that he spoke to me with the the, the, um, the way that scripture became alive mm. the way that my prayer times became more frequent and structured and oh, it was just the whole thing just changed it was like putting on a different set of lens lenses mm. and just really walking with God um, and then at, at some point Bridget uh, the, key, the, the, the coordinators at the time asked me to lead the mission team mm. um, and I said to him I don't really think you guys want me to do that <laughs> um, and they said no they, they did 
I said, I really don't think you guys want me to do that because there was just so much in my head in terms of why why are we not double the size? Why are we not triple the size? What, why is there not a thousand people here? Could somebody help me understand this? Because to me, this is what God's calling us to do is we're, we're a community of disciples on mission. And I go, where's the mission? Now, I've learned to be less direct, but just kind of <laughs> ask, ask, ask the same questions. Come on, preach. But dif- I've, I've just asked the same questions, but differently, do you know? Um, mm. I've been able to kind of reflect better and just to kind of pause and just wait and just kind of think, really. Uh, John, no, God's, God's really done lots, lots of my life if I have to do that. Um, but one of the things that, that we did in terms of the, the, co- the coordinator said to me, I trust you, go and change the face of this community. And I led that team for, for eight years and we changed the whole culture of evangelism, of welcoming, of worship, of how community gatherings were led, how people were actually welcomed with sweets and brought to their seat, how the PowerPoint, how the introduction um how our community weekends, how our residentials were done, how our Lord's Days were done. I came up with this really crazy idea. It was during a, it was during a football tournament, a soccer tournament, guys. Um, we, were, we were hosting the soccer tournament here in Belfast. And I, because I love soccer, I said to him, I'll organise it. No bother. It's, it's, it's an absolute nightmare. But I was just like, I'll do it. And... I invited four hundred and fifty people. Now, I, they were they were gonna they were gonna kill me. They were absolutely gonna kill me. And I said, "Listen, guys, don't worry about it. I will sort it out." And they said to me, "Well, what are you gonna do for Lord's Day?" And I says, "Why don't we all eat together?" <laughs> and they said, "You were absolutely bonkers." And I said. You're right, I am. But we're going to do it. <laughs> and that led to the next six years of one of the best evangelistic tools that our community has ever experienced. Mm. Because we did three altogether Lord's Days every year. And each time we had about 250 people at them. It was the single most evangelistic event that people felt freedom to bring people to because, mm. yeah, there were some prayers and there was some worship, but it was mainly talking and actually eating food. And we had uh, a youth programme and a children's programme on the side. And we had, you know, uh, singers kind of during it. So I kind of brought some of that in, John, just to kind of go back to your original question. where I kind of go... I've got really crazy ideas. And then my question is, well, why wouldn't they work? Have, have we did that before? No, let's try it. Let's try it. <laughs> and in fairness to, to our, our coordinators and our women's leadership team, none of them said no. Mm. They said, go, go and do it. Now, there were some flops, don't get me wrong, but there were some things that worked really well. Mm. In terms of, I would say that Karis is a really mission-orientated community. Mm. Wow. You know, so... Um, as, you're, as you're talking, I'm 
half wishing you were in my community and half glad you're not. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I heard in that, John, was uh, we need to have treats when people come into community gatherings and then escort them to their seats. That's what I heard. I want to do that. <laughs> Take it to the next Tony work. Think bigger. Think bigger. That's yeah. what I say. Why have we not talked about this before? Do, do, do you know where I got that from, actually? This is another story from Youth Initiatives. <laughs> I, re- I remember being in... And we did this in DSO. My first year in DSO, um, I, we, were, we were made, right? We weren't asked. We were made to do a, a play called El Chidai. Do you, do you remember that, John? I, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I still do some of the motions at, in, yeah. in my house. I was in, in Belfast. I was the tree, at, and in Detroit, I was Jesus. So, it's just so. <laughs> but we did it. We did the El Shaddai uh, play here, and we 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 started off with um, just doing it for people who came to the youth program, and because we're all crazy and we're all from West Belfast. Someone said, someone said to us, like, is that all we're going to do? And then somebody had this kind of like brainwave. Why don't we just go downtown? There's, there's a place in Belfast that has, it used, it, it was, it's called Victoria Square, Market Square, that has this sort of kind of bandstand. And someone says, what would happen if we brought it there? And we're all like, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, let's go, let's go. So we brought El Shaddai into the middle of Belfast city centre. And we did it for a full day and there was just hundreds of people. You're just kind of watching it. And then at the end of that, someone said, like, is that all we're going to do? Like, do we want to do something else? And then we want, we said, well, let's go to the biggest shopping mall in Belfast and do it right in the middle of the shopping mall. And again, we're all like, yeah, let's go, let's go, everybody, yeah. And we did it. We brought, we brought it to the shopping mall right in the middle of this, and people thought we were nuts, like there's trees and birds, you know, like humans. And we did it. And again, there's lots of people. And then someone said to the question, what happens if we take this to the next level? And what is the next level? And somebody came up with this absolutely crazy, mad idea and say, why don't we take it to the Ulster Hall? like professional singers, Van Morrison sings in this hall. And someone says, let's, let's take it to the Ulster Hall. And we're all like, yeah, let's go, let's go. We did three nights in the Ulster Hall oh and we God. sold it out. Wow. Oh my God. So when, when my, one of my mottos is, and I, I say this all the time to the staff that I have the privilege of leading is, take it to the next level. What is your next level? Because we can go further with this. And I, that's what I, I say to the brother coordinators and to the sister leaders. Guys, what's our next level here? Mm. What is the next level of this? Let's go out and reach even more people. Uh, even, even more so that myself and a fellow trainee coordinator at the time come up with this chart, this, this evangelism chart to say, if, you've, if everybody brings one person and we worked it out for, for 30 years. And in 30 years' time, we would have a community in, in Belfast of two and a half thousand people. <laughs> so people say to me, you're nuts. You're absolutely crazy. And I go, no, I'm not nuts. I'm just, I want to take it to the next level. Mm. So how Let's do we go. take it to the next level? Like, uh, what, what I loved about DSO 
the, you know, the thinkers behind that is, what is the next level? Youth Works Detroit is the next level. Let's go there. Let's take it. Let's take the risk. I'm a, I'm a person who loves taking risks, particularly on young people who have messes, and particularly have young people, when people say to me, forget them, they're a disaster. And I go, I am not forgetting them because mm. nobody forgot me and I was a mess. And I go, let's, even, you know, with gappers, you know, let's not, let's not take the crazy ones. My wife will tell you because I called an architect and she knows this, by the way, so just, just kiss. <laughs> so, um, I called an architect. So in, in Northern Ireland, you have like an attic, you know, at the top of your house. And right now ours is not converted. And I said to my wife, I'd like to convert the attic. And she says, what do you want to do that for? I says, because I want to take those crazy gappers and I want them to come and live with us. If nobody else is prepared to take them, I want to take them. She goes, what? I go, the brothers took me and I was absolutely nuts. And I go, that's what I feel God called me to do. Um, And so we're getting our attic converted. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> I really should bring that news to Circa as well. So, um. <laughs> I love it though because now we know whichever gappers live in your house, I guess, are the crazy gappers. <laughs> well, you know. but but why not? Do you know, like why? Like, what do we have to lose? What do you have to lose? Mm. You know, and I go. God calls us to take risks. You know, uh, my story in euthanasia is. There's never been a season where God has not covered my cracks and not covered my gaps. Never. Never. And that's got to do with my youth work practice. That's got to do with my conversation with young people. That's got to do with even my salary that comes through the, you know, the door. It, God covers it all. And, mm. and I, I refer back to, I am one of the richest people in the world. I, I, getting married, I've, I have not gone without one thing. Not one thing. And, mm. you know, at, at times in my life, you kind of look at the salary that was kind of coming in. You go, how is that possible? I go, the, king, the kingdom economy. Anything is possible mm. through Jesus. Anything is possible through God. And I go, let's just live, uh, not exactly in Providence, because, you know, uh, there was a salary kind of coming in. But when you give your life to the Lord, how he gives back and grace is incredible. And I've experienced that. I, thankfully, I've experienced, you know, grace and mercy are new every day. You know, particularly when I was, you know, 16 to, to 23, 24, I experienced that every day. And I look back and I go, thank you, God, for just following me. You just harassed me and followed me. And you put men and women in my life who would not let me go away. And he did that. Um, so... Mm. Well, we I'm going to draw us to a close here because it's almost midnight there. I can talk for a long time, John. I, <laughs> I, can, I can go for more. <laughs> no, this this is great. We, this is uh we'll probably break this into two episodes. It's been so good. <laughs> do, do you want me to tell you another story? <laughs> no, I have to go. <laughs> I can tell you loads of stories. Let me tell you one more story. Let me tell you one more story. <laughs> All right, last, last story. There's one story around... Um, Circa and I didn't live, always live in this house. And um, 
we lived kind of in the outer. We lived in West Belfast, but we lived like way up in the mountain. There was there was nobody else around us. Um, and during the third year, fourth year of living there, we felt God calling us really strongly to live in community cluster. And a community cluster in Belfast is in South Belfast. It's quite an affluent area. And circuit wasn't working. And I was on a youth worker salary. So, and I'm going, God, it's just not possible. Absolutely not possible whatsoever. And again, really clearly God said to me, I, I've asked you to do something. You need to go and look at houses in that street. And then you just need to go and pick one. And I go, this is nuts. Are you crazy? And so I didn't do it for you know for three like three or four months and God said, I've now come back to you again, Tony, and you need to go and do this. So we went and looked at some houses, you know, and they were so far out of our price range, it was just unreal. And we, we went to this different house and then we ended up at this house and it needed a whole lot of work done and all that sort of stuff. And the guy came back and he says, Listen, how, how much is the house? And at that stage it was like a £174,000. So I don't know what that is in dollars, maybe $300,000. I, I don't know. And we said, no chance. That is so far out of our budget. That's, that's crazy. And the very next morning, I got a call from a brother and he said to me, I felt very strongly that the Lord's tell me that I should give you the money for your house for you to repay me back without interest. Wow. Wow. And and I go, say that again? I, like, are you sure? And I kid you not, three months later, we got the keys and we moved in. There's, there were no young families in this street whatsoever. And now there are four young families. So the cluster has just grown and grown and grown and grown. And, and I say that not because God always rewards people financially, but he rewards people who say yes. And so for anybody listening, mm. keep saying yes to mm. Jesus because he will not disappoint you. I mm. promise you that. And my life is testament to how good the grace of the Lord Jesus is. Amen. Mm. Well, wow, that was uh, quite a conversation, Bridget. Uh, uh, I've known Tony for a lot of years, and I'm reminded that he doesn't change that much. He's a <laughs> he's always been one of the funnest guys to talk to, and this is why we're into our second episode here, <laughs> wrapping up. So, um, I, I just when I talk to somebody like Tony, I'm just so grateful. Uh, to have him in the sword of the spirit. Um, he's different from me and his background is different from mine. And I think one of my, I was going to say biggest fears. I'm not sure if it's a fear. One of the things I don't want us to be is a, a tribe of, or an affinity group, people who are together because we get along easily. We like each other. And if, if you're listening and you're in a community, you say, John, that's not a danger. 
everyone in my community is different than me. Why are you worried about us being an affinity group? But I, there's always a, I think, a tendency for groups of people to go to that level. And I, I just hearing about Tony's life and, and his witness, and I, I just think, God, this is God bringing people together. And I, I think that's one of the things I hear coming through Tony's stories is God has worked in his life to join him to youth initiatives, to draw him to the community in Belfast and to the Sword of the Spirit. And that just really encourages me and inspires me. Hmm. Yeah, and we're we're richer for it, for sure. Yeah. I think one of the things I was really most struck by is, might seem kind of simple, but I think Tony's just a man of like really inspiring faith. Um, he lives his life, I think, with a really radical faith. And it's a faith that a lot of us maybe aspire to or <laughs> want to have. But I, I was struck by, man, I, I think Tony has this because he lives his life in such a way where, where he is so dependent on the Lord. And um, his life is radical, and so it requires a radical faith. And he just kind of lays it all out for the Lord and makes sure the Lord has to be the one to come through. And I think, man, that we could all live that way. Yeah, one of my mantras in Detroit was, if you want to see, you're not going to see a miracle from God unless you need a miracle. Mm -hmm. And I think Tony embodies that. Yeah, It's great to just share in the fruits of his life experience here. Mm -hmm. So, well, that brings us to the end of our time today. We're glad to have you with us, and we hope that you'll join us next time on Living Bulwark Podcast. Living Bulwark is a Sword of the Spirit podcast. Our program is produced by John Wilson and Bridget Bonifant. Peter Wilson is our sound engineer, and music for our podcast was written and performed by Peter Wilson and Will Cannon. <laughs>